From the birthplace of radio's greatest era. Now, from New York, it's Radio Night Live with Kevin McCullough. Unlike anything else on radio today, it's a front row seat for great information with today's leading experts. Travel with a third generation travel icon, Linda Perillo. The Fox News Medical All-Stars featuring Dr. Mark Siegel, Dr. Marty McCary, Dr. Jeanette Nishwat, and the OG, Dr. Nicole Sapphire. Legal analysis from former prosecutor and court journalism superstar Imran Ansari and Christine Nicholas. The quintessential heartbeat to New York hospitality. All joining legendary broadcast pro Kevin McCullough on a mission unlike any other. United to bring back New York. Now, live from Studio 111, here's Kevin McCullough. I looked uh, long and hard today on my uh, broadcasts on Wednesdays. Sometimes I uh, take a look at uh, what is what is going on in terms of wellness. And I think if you were to try to describe America right now, you would not describe a country that was very well. Uh, we are not doing very well. We are not very well. Our society is not well. Our culture is not well. And our lawmakers telling us what to do are not well. This is adding up to a big problem for us. And I'm assuming that this is what 2024 is supposedly going to address. How do we deal with all this unwellness in the midst of uh, desiring to be a modern country that addresses needs and and has you know vi- vitality to, to move forward and to grow into the future i'm not convinced that we're very healthy at all and because of that i'm i'm always surprised when i see stories where people are su- are surprised by this because if you really watch what's happening with with half an eye open you would understand that we are not in a good situation now, let me give you an example the mayor of new york city for the last year or so has been speaking out denouncing uh two groups of people southern border may uh, governor governors uh and the president of the united states now as a as a democrat speaking against southern border governors like greg abbott that doesn't cost him much politically it's kind of cool um people that are in his city think well he's he's holding those republicans to account but to do so against President Biden has cost him a little bit. Uh, the Justice Department has paid some <laughs> 3 a.m. wake-up calls to some of his associates. Uh, there's investigations going on into his fundraising for his campaigns and so forth. I'm sure this is all as payback to the fact that he stood up and said, wait a minute, uh, New York tried to play along as a sanctuary city, but we're, we're not really able to do that anymore. Um. And when you understand the kind of price tag that comes with it, you can you can have a little bit of mercy for the guy. It's expensive to take 100,000 new citizens that have no means of providing for themselves and so just absorb them. Even in a, even in a city of uh, 8 million people uh, on the island of Manhattan, you, you just can't take 100,000 people and say, okay, we're just going to fold you into the, um, to, to the uh, combination. But it is interesting also that he has continued to fight back against the governors that have given him grief uh, for his uh, previous admission that New York is a sanctuary city. Now, it is by law. Uh, New York has said, we're going to take people from anywhere. We're not going to ask where they're from. We're not going to kick them out because they don't have the right to be here. All of which violates federal law, but they don't seem to care about that. But yesterday, 
the uh, Democrat mayor of New York, issued an executive order. Now, who this exactly impacts, I'm unsure of, because the last I checked, the mayor has no power to pass a law that can do anything. If this isn't passed by the legislature, signed by the governor, it's not law, or passed by the city council and signed by the mayor, it's not law. This hasn't become law just because he says this is what's going to happen. But he issued an executive order that said that um, busing companies that are bringing buses of migrants to the office must, and they changed this in the emergency management office, they said that they must contact the emergency management office 32 hours prior to arrival. Now, what he tried to do was not allow them to come at all, but that that didn't meet uh, muster. The order also requires buses to arrive in the city only on weekdays and only between 8.30 and noon in the morning. I I don't think that that's going to be a big deal. Bus drivers will accommodate uh, the time time change. Uh, And they all have to now drop off at a single drop-off site. But who's going to stop them from not? If you have a busload of migrants coming here from Texas... And you say, well, you have to be at the corner of, you know, 34th and 6th or wherever you pick a random uh, intersection. That doesn't mean that the bus driver is going to follow that. You're going to fine the bus driver. First of all, you're going to be able to stop them. This mandating that they contact you 32 hours in advance. Does anybody know that? Do the bus drivers that are busing migrants right now know the laws or the new executive orders that you've put in place in New York City since you've done it? I doubt it. How do you spread the word? I guess word of mouth eventually gets around. But look, this is not (laughs) this is kind of silly. It would be easier to just have a law that said we're not accepting any more migrants that don't have documentation to be here because we can't afford to host them or to pay for them. That that would just be the most logical thing to do, but he, he didn't do that. The order is designed to alleviate the migrant crisis in New York City, which saw 14,700 new arrivals in December. They've had well over 170,000 now, I think, come to New York City as a whole. And over the holiday weekend... At least four bus companies transported migrants, but they got wind of it. So they thought, well, we'll just get around this. They stopped at the Secaucus train station and they put everybody on a train and sent it into New York. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense and it doesn't, it, it's not feasible that, that you're going to find a solution for this. Why are we bending over backwards? Why are we driving ourselves crazy? Why are we acting like the only thing that can be done is to keep allowing people that don't have the right to be here to come here? The number is 302,000 people that came to the country illegally through the southern border exclusively in December. That's not the northern border, which we're starting to have a problem with, and that's not at our ports. That's just the southern border. The, the numbers that I see say that we've had upwards of 7 to 8 million people that we've apprehended at the southern border. And people believe that there are at least 2 to 3 million people that have gotten away without being apprehended at the southern border. You're talking about 10 to 11 million people 
which, by the way, would replace the island of Manhattan in total population. In fact, if you add it up, that's more than the eight smallest states combined. And it's larger than any of the smallest 34 states. Why are we importing a population of people that don't have skill, don't have a place to go, and have no job waiting for them? This is something that is going to be discussed all the way through the election cycle. And our president, you know, Mr. Suit that lives at the White House right now, who gums his food and then enjoys his ice cream, he doesn't have an answer for it. And his press secretary, she, she's a real work. His press secretary is actually the one that said last week that it's just nothing unusual at the southern border. It's, it's not crazy to see that you've got all these people coming through. Upwards of ten to 12,000 a day now coming across the border uh, in massive migrational waves. Doesn't see a problem with it. It's nothing unusual. Why should we be concerned about it? Well, never mind the fact that our cities are being overrun. Our emergency services are being uh, stretched to the max. And even services for citizens are being denied. This is the reality of an open border in 2024. Stay with us. I'm Kevin McCullough. kick your new year off right by getting healthy and sticking with your resolutions we can help our annual holiday buy one get one free sale is going on now buy any invite health product at suggested retail and get the second bottle free say hello to the new year by learning more about how to stay healthy from invite health listen to past shows and informative podcasts all at invitehealth.com want better focus and attention for the new year contact invite health today for memory multivitamin and cocoa hx call us now to order by phone 800-673-2345 that's 800-673-2345 or go to invitehealth.com to order online get free shipping on orders over 35 dollars take advantage of invites limited time buy one get one free holiday sale contact invite at 800-673-2345 that's 800-673-2345 or go to invitehealth.com all right, Kevin McCullough, glad to have you with us and so glad to talk with Mike Connors of Connors & Sullivan every single week where he answers one of your questions. Mike, this week, Greg from New York says, I've heard on the news that the new law requires LLC owners to register with the government. The process seems difficult and time-consuming. Fees are not com- uh, fees for not complying are very high. Do you still recommend an LLC as a good estate planning tool? Yeah, I would think I'd still recommend an LLC as a good estate planning tool because there's asset protection involved in it. If you have a limited liability company, an LLC, um, that protects assets from lawsuits, and it's a very important tool to do that. Now, I'm not sure how we, you know, our people have been checking. You do have to register an LLC, the members, with the federal government, as well as if you have a corporation. You have to register the owners of a corporation or LLC with the federal government before the end of this year, December 31st, 2024. 
So we're not sure. The forms, I don't think, have been published yet. We have to see. I don't know how time-consuming it's going to be. I can't imagine it's that time-consuming to list the owners. And I, one of the reasons for that, occasionally people would own C-corporations, and nobody would know who owned the corporations. You know, you, you hear about these phony corporations, shelters, things like that. And that's one of the reasons this law has been passed. And maybe there's some good reasons for the passage. But, you know, we'll see what happens. I don't think it's going to be that expensive. I still recommend an LLC. If you own commercial real estate, an LLC is one of the best ways to go. Gotcha. All right. Well, maybe you have a question about this very thing. You could call their office, 718-238-6500, or just set up an appointment to discuss your own end-of-life uh, planning needs and make sure you've got the protections in place that you want, 718-238-6500, or send more questions for Mike to answer on his own show, uh, askmikeconnors at gmail.com, askmikeconnors at gmail.com, and then be listening as he does on Saturday mornings, 8 o'clock, AM 570 and 102.3 FM, The Mission, WMCA and Sunday morning starting at 11 on AM 970, The Answer. Mike Connors, Happy New Year, and thank you so much. Happy New Year, Kevin. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. Dennis Prager sees a major divide. A former president and the leading contender for the nomination for president of one of the two parties could not be on the ballot in the state of Colorado. This is a dividing line that is unbridgeable. It was a despicable, America-crushing decision by tyrants. They're just tyrants. The Dennis Prager Show, weekdays at 1, right before Sebastian Gorka at 3, on AM 970. The answer. Our hosts, tell them like it is. No safe spaces here. AM 970. The answer. now, from New York, back to Radio Night Live, here's Kevin McCullough. All right, ladies and gentlemen, my next guest is someone who has become known as America's favorite doctor. How does that happen? I will have to ask her. But she's also licensed in all 50 states, and she's on the cover of fashion magazines from sea to shining sea. How does all that work together? Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for Dr. Laura Purdy. Hello, Laura. <laughs> Hi, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for having me today. That was a lovely introduction. You like that? Well, um, you are a fascinating person with a lot of uh, very interesting kind of uh, irons in the fire, as they say. You're also a veteran of the United States, if my uh, sources uh, confirm properly. Uh, can confirm. Yes, I was in the Army as a physician for 14 years. I got out in 2021. So you must have entered when you were, what, 12? I mean... <laughs> It's just, it's just a little yeah, bit, you know, it was right around the second grade and it just went right in, a, you know, kind of a, a early entry program. Well, um, so we've already laid the foundation for a great conversation, but thank you for being with us. Um, you have been a real strong proponent, advocate even for something called telemedicine. And before COVID occurred, it was already kind of on an on a kind of an upward arch for at least a good decade prior to that. But it was it was rolled out in bits and pieces. You could do something over the phone, and then they had oh this thing called video chat where you could actually you know the doctor and you could see each other face to face. But the resolutions weren't that good. But now we've got computers and cameras and stuff in our lives, even uh, phones uh, with cameras in our pockets that have really clear HD display. How much medicine, Laura Purdy, do you think can be moved to the virtual uh, reality space? 
as much as possible. I, what I tell people is we'll never be able to replace everything that we do in the doctor's office or the hospital or the clinic with virtual care. But what I would like to see, I would really love to see it follow the banking industry. Very rarely do we have to go inside of a bank, right? And so I would love to see where we funnel off as much as possible that we can into the virtual spa space to leave room for the things that absolutely must be done in person to be done in person. I have the four main Fox News medical all-stars uh, on my show regularly, Dr. Siegel, Nashawat, McCary, and uh, um, uh, Sapphire. And they have been talking for some time uh, in their hits on television and otherwise about the, the real need that COVID kind of exposed to us to rethink medicine with technology coupled with um, kind of getting back to basics in terms of doctor care. We, we did a lot of things wrong in COVID. We, we put too much emphasis on the ER and the pharmacy and that sort of thing, as opposed to really letting doctors and patients decide what they needed to do best. Your, your idea of telehealth actually moves the doctor back closer into the patient's life, does it not? Uh, 1000%. And what I tell people is right now, who gets to legally define what is a doctor-patient relationship is regulators and lawmakers. But as a person who, I mean, I've had countless at this point, number of virtual health patients. It's all that I do. I think that who should define what that relationship is, is actually the patient. If the patient feels like they have a relationship with their doctor, no matter what modalities are used, as long as they're HIPAA compliant, you're protecting the data and not you know, having any undue risk in that way. If it's chatting, if it's texting, if it's video, if it's audio, I feel like we should be able to use those modalities to establish a relationship in whatever way the patient feels like they are getting the good health care. If you think about it, when medicine was starting out, you know, oftentimes doctors were paid with a chicken or, you know, a bale of hay or other things that uh, as the pioneer and frontier went across the country, uh, it was the exchange of what they had for what they needed. Um, this is kind of the new frontier. This is the ability to have that relationship in a way that um, really does kind of redefine uh, that kind of closeness. And I noticed on your um, Instagram this last week, you put up a post that encouraged people to become your patient. But Dr. Purdy, what's the constraint on your time? You, you're a mom, you have lots of responsibilities outside the office. Can a doctor really take on the larger crowd of patients that telehealth would inevitably lead to? Absolutely. And I, well, I, I agree with your first statement, right? Back in the day, that's what healthcare was. It was brought to the patient where they are. And if you think about it, it also met the needs of the doctor too. So when you take away all of the extraneous things that control our environment, work days, hospitals, clinic hours, parking lots, driving, transportation, it really, and then also the the fact that we have you know 10 or 15 or 20 minute appointments and that's the only amount of time you can see the patient if you take all of that out and reduce it down to that doctor patient interaction it becomes simpler it becomes faster and it doesn't have to be done in real time i will tell you that um processes procedures, scaling, and support staff is still really, really, really important. So I have a massive staff that works in my virtual primary care clinic. I'm actually bringing on new providers as well, because I believe that 
I can teach other people to be the type of doctor that I am with mm. the heart and the mission and the values and the ability to provide care. I can steward that on to other people. So when people come into my clinic, they may see me, they may see one of my nurse practitioners. They may talk to one of my nurses for a couple of weeks while they decide what they would like and then they end up in front of me. But I feel like we've really found a way to distill that relationship down to something that's very focused between the doctor and patient when it's time and allows me to take care of so many more patients that I would in the, the brick and mortar world. She has a podcast. You can follow her on social media. There's lots about this lady that uh, you're going to love to get to know and understand why she does what she does. Uh, Dr. Laura Purdy is our guest. Uh, doctor, uh, you served your nation in uniform for 14 years. Um, did you see yourself doing that when you were a young girl? Absolutely not. I thought I was going to grow up and become a pianist. I wanted to be a professional accompanist, and that didn't work out the way that I imagined it would. Didn't and, want to put in the practice hours, did you? I, it, it's no, all actually, you know what? I did, but I was too nice. I'm not competitive, which is shocking. I know. I'm not competitive, and professional music, at least at that time, was very competitive. No, it still is. Yes, indeed. <laughs> I don't have a competitive nature to me at all, really. And so my father suggested to me that I go into healthcare. A little bit of trial and error later, I landed on becoming a physician. Well, and, and that speaks to the personality of the non-competitive person, right? So you want your doctor to be only concerned about getting the diagnosis, not because he's trying to outdo colleagues, but because he's paying attention to what your case is about. Correct. I mean, I think that there's so much wrong. You you mentioned this at the beginning of our discussion. There's so much wrong with our healthcare system. And I think in a lot of instances, the attitude, the heart, the mentality, and for the lack of a better term, the customer service that we receive from physicians, but even other clinicians as well, nurse practitioners, PAs, anyone who interfaces with patients, the customer service level is not where it should be. I think we have very low standards of behavior and and I think we really need to raise the bar um, and being not competitive and having loving care for our patients, but not at the expense of our patients is a step in that direction. Friends, normally we do this a little bit backwards. Normally we do the get to know part of the interview and then we do the uh, issue that they're passionate about. We've we've started with Dr. Purdy's most <laughs> passionate issue. When we come back from this break, we're going to get to know her a little bit more. Stay here. With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters reporting the Justice Department is suing Texas over a new law that would allow police in the state to arrest migrants who entered the U.S. illegally. The lawsuit filed Wednesday accuses Texas of violating the U.S. government's authority over immigration enforcement. Under the Texas law, migrants could either agree to a Texas judge's order to leave the U.S. or be prosecuted on misdemeanor charges of illegal entry. Migrants who don't leave could face arrest again under more serious felony charges. A New Jersey imam was shot multiple times and killed outside his mosque Wednesday, and authorities continue to search for the shooter. Imam Hassan Sharif was in his car when he was shot more than once near the mosque in Newark. Attorney General Matt Platkin says authorities are still searching for a shooter. 
On Wall Street, the Dow down by 284 points. This is SRN News. Dr. Sebastian Gorka here, inviting you to follow me on a cruise to Alaska this 4th of July weekend. It will be the adventure of a lifetime. Reserve your cabin today. Call 855-565-5519 or PatriotsAlaskaCruise.com. Want to listen to AM 970 The Answer on the go? There's an app for that. Download our free smartphone app so you can listen to all your favorite shows, keep up with us on social media, enter contests, win prizes, and even interact with our hosts all in one place. Just search AM 970 The Answer in the iPhone App Store or the Google Play Store for the Android. Again, search AM 970 The Answer and download our smartphone app today. That way, you can take us wherever you go. Want more of AM970 The Answer and our hosts? Then interact with us. Follow us on Twitter for breaking news, what's coming up on the radio, thoughts from our hosts, deals from our advertisers, and more. Our handle is at AM970 The Answer. Come on, tweet with us. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. Hey, Joe Piscopo here. If you need a Cadillac, you got to see my good friend Bill Camastro at Gold Coast Cadillac, awarded Cadillac Dealer of the Year 27 times. Bill's team is the gold standard of customer service from start to finish. It's first class all the way. Speaking of service, are you part of the Gold Club yet? Bill takes care of you, your family, your friends with the Gold Coast Cadillac Gold Club. Sign up online at goldcoastcadillac.com for service benefits that you can share with friends and family, even if they didn't buy from Gold Coast. Gold Coast is getting even bigger and better with its brand new service facility expected to be completed by early 2024. Gold Coast Cadillac in Oakhurst, New Jersey. Bill took care of me and he's going to take care of you too. Shop goldcoastcadillac.com or call Bill directly at 845-568-7336. Shop goldcoastcadillac.com or call Bill directly at 845-568-7336. We can tell you about the incredible success we bring to local businesses, but it's better when it comes directly from our satisfied clients. Here's just one example. After searching for a new vendor to handle my search marketing campaign, I contacted Salem Surround after seeing the great work they did for another restoration company in the different market. Their team of experts recommended a mix of multiple tactics designed to get my business the most quality leads at the lowest cost, making my marketing budget stretch further. In our first year partnering with Salem Surround, we recorded our best year to date. And I've told many people how blessed I was to find them. The representative answered the phone every time I called and quickly addressed any questions or concerns I had. Let Salem Surround give you an absolutely free audit of your current marketing and show you what your competition is doing. Then we come up with a personalized plan that's perfect for your needs. Google Salem Surround New York and let our marketing experts help you achieve real success. Remember to Google Salem Surround New York today. Breaking news and local news. Find it on our website, am970theanswer.com. And now, back to Radio Night Live. Here's Kevin McCullough. And we're back from Times Square. Hey, um, you, you had a varied <laughs> background. You've, you've been in the Army. Uh, you're a mom. Uh, how many kids? What ages? Four. They're nine, seven, five, and two. Wow, that's that's quite uh, the lifespan. We're 13, 10, and 8 right now, and it just feels like just recently they've all gotten to the point where 
uh, they can have conversations without us and be, you know, not necessarily totally making trouble the whole time while they're doing it. So good luck on those uh, last two catching up to the older ones. Um, l- let me ask you about this. If people are getting to understand what you've done and, and where you've been, they're going to discover you've been on the cover of a lot of fashion magazines. Now, for people listening by way of radio, you can't see the beautiful smile and the uh, put together wardrobe that Dr. Purdy uh, has visited us with tonight. But is this is fashion? Are you a fashion file? Is this something that kind of I, my bride is she you know, she's got her favorite designers <laughs> and she loves it. And her her favorite thing is to score the right deal on the right outfit like she doesn't want to pay full price for any of it but she watches and she tags stuff and when it drops in price you talk about an internet generation she's she's on it um what what's your what's your interaction here well so full transparency we said i was in the military for 14 years and to say i had no wardrobe getting out of the military which was just 2021 was when i got out so it was a little over two years ago may 2021 to say i had no wardrobe is an absolute understatement and you had your fatigues so and your white robe, and that was probably about it. That's it. I had PTs, you know, the, the shirt that said Army on it, and that, that was all I had. The shorts that said Army on it, that was it. The glow belt. <laughs> um, and so w- what happened was I got I got out, and I started doing a little bit more public speaking, public appearances. Yes, some magazine covers popped up, but I had no earthly idea how to dress. So I have had coaches, stylists, wardrobe people i mean everyone under the sun trying to help me figure out (laughs) how to know how to dress which i mean it it seems a little silly but that's something that we really take for granted so what you'll notice with the cover of the fashion magazines is it's not just the cover that they give if you open it you will find that there's usually a five to ten sometimes even 15 page story about who i am and what i'm doing but the pictures are just the kind of the doorway into what i consider to be the the really important thing and so um so i i actually am learning to love fashion i think it's a really fun expression of myself and i'm learning how to use clothing in the right place right time right situation right season right people in order to really have a fun expression but this very very new thing for me that i'm really just learning how to do you just you just made so many women just put their hands their head in their hands and go oh because uh they they've had the same frustrations and and uh but they they've they've not had somebody come along and uh help them the way uh you were able to do that and that's i think that's wonderful um i think that one of the things that i really wish we did more of was just really find the beauty in um, life and in people and accentuate that and help that to be seen. And I'm not talking about purely physical, but uh, who the human person is, the spirit and, and what we can do. And it seems like your whole life is kind of wrapped up in that. It's um, yeah, you're 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 enjoying the fashion externally, but your heart is really to help people. Absolutely. It is what I tell anyone who will listen and what I tell my staff every day and what I tell my patients or even regulators, investigators, anybody who wants to talk to me, right? Because what I'm doing, you're right, there's a lot of visibility. There's a lot of eyes looking and that means there's a lot of questions. And what help people is it matters more why we are doing something than what exactly we are doing. It's the heart, it's the mission, it's the values and the why. And if we are going to be different, we have to be different. And, and that comes from here. So this is much more what I'm concerned about than, than anything externally. 
That is so well said. So let me uh, let you do a little commercial. If people want to become a patient of America's favorite doctor, and we now can understand a little bit why you would be called that, um, how do they how do they become a patient for Dr. Laura Purdy? Well, if you would like to become a patient, there's a few there's a few ways to find me. I do have a website, which is drlaurapurdy, drlaurapurdy.com. And there's a button you can click to become a patient. I also have an Instagram, which is at America's Favorite Doctor. It's all spelled out and there's a link there as well. I do have a LinkedIn and really, I mean, you can find me just about anywhere, but I, I would encourage you to take a look at what we, I say we, because AFD, we, we, we say AFD instead of America's Favorite Doctor, at Team AFD, we have so many people who are working towards this mission of creating a new healthcare system. And I really think we're gonna do it. And so I would encourage you to follow along, look at what we're doing, look at why we're doing it. And I find that that once, once people do that, they not only be, want to become a patient, but they also want to become an advocate and a part of, of what we're trying to do. That is so cool. Um, Laura, thank you so much for spending your, uh, your evening with us. We're, we're really grateful. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. I hope you, you have a great it. night. Kevin McCullough, coming right back. Hello, this is John Leventhal. I am a partner in the law firm of Idala, Bertuna & Kamins. I have been a lawyer for 43 years, including 13 years as a trial judge and 13 years as an appellate judge. I have presided over almost every kind of civil and criminal case, and I have seen litigants facing almost every legal problem you can imagine. What is the most important thing for a litigant to do? It is to obtain the right lawyer, someone with the ability to navigate you through the court system and achieve the best possible outcome. At Idala Bertuna and Kamins, that is what we offer. When I was on the bench, Idala Bertuna and Kamins earned the reputation of being the boutique law firm that fights passionately for their clients in the most professional manner in both civil and criminal cases. I am proud to be a member of the Idala Bertuna and Kamins law firm, where our lawyers will give you the powerful representation you all deserve. Hi, Kevin McCullough. Have you heard? Michaels of Brooklyn. They went from 50% to 75%. They are now at 100% capacity. And by reservation, following all the CDC guidelines, they can ensure your safety and the health of their patrons and employees. And now's the time that you can get back to Michaels of Brooklyn and have some of that authentic Italian food. Celebrate Michaels of Brooklyn 100% capacity by joining the Sauce of the Month Club. You'll get a different jar of Michaels of Brooklyn pasta sauce, homemade pasta, and biscotti each month for about six months. Each each month, receive exquisite sauces ranging from arrabbiata to putanesca and, of course, their fresh marinara. They're family-owned and operated. It's authentic. Everything is made completely from scratch. Even the sauce that they sell in the grocery stores nationwide, they make it right there at Michaels of Brooklyn. Visit michaelsofbrooklyn.com. Join their Sauce of the Month Club. That's michaelsofbrooklyn.com or call 718-988-7851 for reservations. That's 718-988-7851. Michaels of Brooklyn serving the community since 1964. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. Hugh Hewitt says it's time to get your feet wet. I'm going to urge you to do one thing repeatedly. Today, Google the county in which you live and Republican Party and get involved. They need poll workers. They need door knockers. They need people who make phone calls. They need people who send text messages. 
Get involved at the local level. The Hugh Hewitt Show. Weekday mornings at 3, right before Joe Piscopo at 6. Anaya 970, The Answer. This is Ed Morrissey of HotAir.com for Town Hall. The Biden administration, European leaders, and the UN want Israel to halt its operations in Gaza. Few among these supposed allies grasp how Hamas's October 7 massacres changed all of the calculations for Israel and its mission to defend its Jewish homeland. The Israelis, however, have not miscalculated this moment. This week, they delivered on Benjamin Netanyahu's promise to destroy Hamas to the last man in a drone strike on the group's Beirut offices. The strike killed Ismail Haniyeh's chief deputy, Saleh al-Aruri, along with five others in the Hamas office. This followed an absurd set of demands from Haniyeh regarding hostage negotiations that demanded thousands of prisoners released as well as an IDF withdrawal from Gaza. This sends a direct message to Hamas that their time has run out. It should also send a message to the Biden administration about the folly of deals with terrorists spent on genocide. The Israelis will no longer play by Hamas's rules or Biden's. I'm Ed Morrissey. America First with Sebastian Gorka. Weekday afternoons at 3 and evenings at 10 on AM 970. The Answer. And now, back to Radio Night Live from New York. Here's Kevin McCullough. All right, ladies and gentlemen, America's favorite doctor. How does that happen? I will have to ask her. We've already laid the foundation for a great conversation, but thank you for being with us. Um, you have been a real strong proponent, advocate even, for something called telemedicine. And before COVID occurred, it was already kind of on an on a kind of an upward arch for at least a good decade prior to that. But it was it was rolled out in bits and pieces. You could do something over the phone, and then they had oh this thing called video chat where you could actually you know the doctor and you could see each other face to face. But the resolutions weren't that good. But now we've got computers and cameras and stuff in our lives, even uh, phones uh, with cameras in our pockets that have really clear HD display. How much medicine, Laura Purdy, do you think can be moved to the virtual uh, reality space? As much as possible. What I tell people is we'll never be able to replace everything that we do in the doctor's office or the hospital or the clinic with virtual care. But what I would like to see, I would really love to see it follow the banking industry. Very rarely do we have to go inside of a bank, right? And so I would love to see where we funnel off as much as possible that we can into the virtual space to leave room for the things that absolutely must be done in person to be done in person. I have the four main Fox News medical all-stars uh, on my show regularly, Dr. Siegel, Nashawat, McCary, and uh, um, uh, Sapphire. And they have been talking for some time uh, in their hits on television and otherwise about the the real need that COVID kind of exposed to us to rethink medicine with technology coupled with um, kind of getting back to basics in terms of doctor care. We, we did a lot of things wrong in COVID. We, we put too much emphasis on the ER and the pharmacy and that sort of thing, as opposed to really letting doctors and patients decide what they needed to do best. Your, your idea of telehealth actually moves the doctor back closer into the patient's life, does it not? Uh, 1000%. And what I tell people is right now, who gets to legally define what is a doctor-patient relationship is regulators and lawmakers. But as a person who, I mean, I've had 
countless at this point, number of virtual health patients. It's all that I do. I think that who should define what that relationship is, is actually the patient. If the patient feels like they have a relationship with their doctor, no matter what modalities are used, as long as they're HIPAA compliant, you're protecting the data and not you know, having any undue risk in that way. If it's chatting, if it's texting, if it's video, if it's audio, I feel like we should be able to use those modalities to establish a relationship in whatever way the patient feels like they are getting the good health care. If you think about it, when medicine was starting out, you know, oftentimes doctors were paid with a chicken or, you know, a bale of hay or other things that uh, as the pioneer and frontier went across the country, uh, it was the exchange of what they had for what they needed. Um, this is kind of the new frontier. This is the ability to have that relationship in a way that um, really does kind of redefine uh, that kind of closest. And I noticed on your um, Instagram this last week, you put up a post that encouraged people to become your patient. But Dr. Purdy, what's the constraint on your time? You, you're a mom, you have lots of responsibilities outside the office. Can a doctor really take on the larger crowd of patients that telehealth would inevitably lead to? Absolutely. And I, well, I, I agree with your first statement, right? Back in the day, that's what healthcare was. It was brought to the patient where they are. And if you think about it, it also met the needs of the doctor too. So when you take away all of the extraneous things that control our environment, work days, hospitals, clinic hours, parking lots, driving, transportation, it really, and then also the the fact that we have you know 10 or 15 or 20 minute appointments and that's the only amount of time you can see the patient if you take all of that out and reduce it down to that doctor patient interaction it becomes simpler it becomes faster and it doesn't have to be done in real time i will tell you that um, processes procedures, scaling, and support staff is still really, really, really important. So I have a massive staff that works in my virtual primary care clinic. I'm actually bringing on new providers as well because I believe that I can teach other people to be the type of doctor that I am with mm -hmm. the heart and the mission and the values and the ability to provide care. I can steward that on to other people. So when people come into my clinic, they may see me, they may see one of my nurse practitioners, they may talk to one of my nurses for a couple of weeks while they decide what they would like and then they end up in front of me. But I feel like we've really found a way to distill that relationship down to something that's very focused between the doctor and patient when it's time and allows me to take care of so many more patients that I would in the, the brick and mortar world. She has a podcast. You can follow her on social media. There's lots about this lady that uh, you're going to love to get to know and understand why she does what she does. Uh, Dr. Laura Purdy is our guest. Uh, doctor, uh, you served your nation in uniform for 14 years. Um, did you see yourself doing that when you were a young girl? Absolutely not. I thought I was going to grow up and become a pianist. I wanted to be a professional accompanist, and that didn't work out the way that I imagined it would. You didn't and want to put then, in the practice hours, did you? I, it, it's no, actually, you know what? I did, but I was too nice. I'm not competitive, which is shocking. I know. I'm not competitive, and professional music, at least at that time, was very competitive. No, it still and is. Yes, indeed. <laughs> I don't have a competitive nature to me at all, really. And so my father suggested to me that I go into healthcare. A little bit of trial and error later, I landed on becoming a physician. 
Friends, normally we do this a little bit backwards. Normally we do the get to know part of the interview and then we do the uh, issue that they're passionate about. We've we've started with Dr. Purdy's most <laughs> passionate issue. When we come back from this break, we're going to get to know her a little bit more. Stay here. Do you want to kick your new year off right by getting healthy and sticking with your resolutions? We can help. Our annual holiday buy one get one free sale is going on now. Buy any Invite Health product at suggested retail and get the second bottle free. Say hello to the new year by learning more about how to stay healthy from Invite Health. Listen to past shows and informative podcasts all at invitehealth.com. Want better focus and attention for the new year? Contact Invite Health today for Memory Multivitamin and Cocoa HX. Call us now to order by phone, 800-673-2345. That's 800-673-2345. Or go to invitehealth.com to order online. Get free shipping on orders over $35. Take advantage of Invite's limited time buy one, get one free holiday sale. Contact Invite at 800-673-2345. That's 800-673-2345. Or go to invitehealth.com. War has played a key role in the history of the United States, from the nation's founding right down to the present. Wars made the United States independent, kept it together, increased its size, and established it as a global superpower. Hi, I'm James Early, host of the Key Battles of American History podcast. In each episode, I discuss American history through the lens of the most important battles of America's wars. To start listening now, Go to ParthenonPodcast.com or search Key Battles of American History on your favorite podcasting platform. Are you ready for an adventure of a lifetime? Journey with me, Dr. Sebastian Gorka, on the Patriots Alaska Cruise this summer. It's an incredible opportunity to engage with me and other like-minded patriots on an epic seven-day cruise over 4th of July weekend. Witness the untouched wilderness of Alaska while discussing America's future. What could be better? Join me from June 29th to July 6th. Call 855-565-5519 or reserve online. PatriotsAlaskaCruise.com Feel like you're trying to push a boulder uphill wearing skates? If you run or manage a local business today, you're challenged like never before. We get it, and we want to help. We're Salem Surround, and when it comes to marketing, consider us your personal move-you-forward company. In a recent study, we found that 53% of local businesses were classified as novices when it came to designing, implementing, and managing their marketing needs. And that's where Salem Surround truly shines. We're a full-service marketing agency that'll help you increase your customer base by designing incredibly effective plans to reach your consumers day, night, and everywhere they might be. Let us give you an absolutely free audit of your current marketing and what your competition is doing. Our digital sales and support teams are the best in the industry and deliver customized personal service that's second to none. If you're a local business and ready for the next step, Google Salem Surround New York right now. Our experts are ready to help you take your marketing to the next level. Google Salem Surround New York today. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. Brandon Tatum is next on AM 970, The Answer. Once more from New York, Radio Night Live, here's Kevin McCullough. I wish I could be as um, joking about the final story tonight. There's a school district in California that is serving uh, thousands of students from preschool to high school. Uh, it's the Hayward Unified School District, which is located in the uh, Bay Area. It serves about 19,000 students. 
and they have made a decision this year to push gender theory books, films, and uh, programs on all students in all grades. Now, you heard me right. It's not just sixth grade and up, which is normally where the health class stuff comes in. It's uh, it's from kindergarten through 12. It's all 12 years. Uh, they are going to see to it that the kids in their school district, some 19,000 of them, are going to be thoroughly indoctrinated in gender theory, books and films on the subject matter, etc. Well, why is that a big deal? What, what, does that have anything to do with the health of our culture or society? Well, then consider this story from its neighbor to the north, not that far north, because again, it's the Bay Area, in the state of Oregon. In that state, a biological male who was convicted of murdering two other men is now serving a sentence for 50 years in a woman's prison. The prisoner by the name of Stephen Buchanan, who goes by Susan Monica, dismembered the bodies of his victims and fed them to pigs on a 20-acre farm he owned in Oregon. He bought the farm in 1991, killed the two handymen in 2012 and 13. In 2015, he was reportedly sentenced to a minimum of 50 years behind bars. But recently, they've transferred him to the women's prison. Why? Because he believes that there's something in him that is female. In fact, you could give him all the hormones and replacement surgery and gender change surgery and all the rest that you want to change you can do all of that to him for the next 50 years while he's in that prison and when he dies and you do a sample of his dna it's going to respond as male there's nothing that will change that that code was put into the cells by someone other than scientists or doctors and therefore it cannot be changed now let's suppose for a second knowing what we know about the gender ideology debate and some of the violence that has been caused. Remember the Nashville shooter last year? That was a gender-confused kid that was already in the process of making the transition. In fact, several of the mass shooters in the past few years have been uh, gender transitioners of, of some degree or another. Uh, remember also the fact that most, if not all, of the people in the detransitioning movement, which is growing leaps and bounds, are people that have said, you know what, I was told that that was going to fix me, and I began to realize pretty early on that it didn't. What it did fix was their, in their ability to ever have kids again or to uh, have a body that would resemble what they were born with naturally. Uh, these types of outcomes are not healthy outcomes. So let's take a mentally deranged man who kills people, dismembers them, chops them up into the oats that he feeds his pigs, and put him in a women's prison with all female inmates who are going to be smaller and probably much more vulnerable than him out of the equation. Kevin McCullough, thank you so much. We'll see you next time.